0: podcast jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way thank you for joining us on era of Air of christmas december 23rd um and uh hope you are getting in the festive mood meanwhile you weren't answering my text message i assume you fell asleep but then i called your wife she's like oh no he's playing video games so rather than podcasts were earlier and more awake you choose to waste your time doing that rather than contributing to society by having them be able to listen to this podcast.
1: I don't understand why you assume me playing video games isn't contributing to society.
0: Um, I think it may be contributing to your overall well-being. Maybe that has a chance to impact society, but I think it's a very uh, far-fetched claim that you playing the video game is a strong impact on society.
1: Have you ever seen how many people are involved in making a video game?
0: Yeah, but if you buy it, then you've already helped their careers. How, how much you play it doesn't change anything.
1: Because I buy it.
0: Right. So if you buy it and if you play it a ton or a little bit, it doesn't change their financial impact.
1: Except that if I play it a lot, when they release their next game, I'll be more inclined to buy it. Oh, my God.
0: Man, talk about a stretch from a stretch. But whatever, I'll whatever gets, you, whatever gets you through the night, I will take it. Before we get on with our usual to- topics, because we didn't have a podcast last week due to our families being insane, um, <laughs> I we have to update our callers, well, callers, our listeners, and callers. Maybe we'll have a call-in show one of these times. I Think that could be a lot of fun, actually, um, about what happened with Doug the dog.
1: Well, <clears throat> as expected, he returned home safely. He, the lady who had him um, told me when I picked him the up. The dog nipper. She told me that when, when she posted about Doug, she started getting phone calls from people claiming to be Doug's owners.
0: <laughs> Why would somebody want a 14-year-old dog?
1: First of all, he looks like a puppy, so they don't realize how old he is. <laughs> Second of all, there's just weird, bad people out there.
0: you really believe her that people were calling about your dog that weren't you?
1: That's why she took down the post and stopped replying to messages. She said she was getting bombarded with him. Now, this lady's <laughs> definition of bombarded, that's, I didn't get a clear definition if it was three people that did that, one person who did that, or 20 people who did that.
0: You were lucky that she actually responded to you rather than giving it well, to somebody else.
1: That's why she was being difficult. But she said I was the only one that actually knew things about Doug.
0: <laughs> I don't understand. What did you know about your dog that nobody else did?
1: That he's not. Well, I don't want to say that here because now someone steals him. Um, the <laughs> I'm, la- or I'm listening gets...
0: to our podcast, <laughs> the, the twenty people. <laughs>
1: um, he's not neutered.
0: Oh nobody else knew that info
1: well most people probably knew to their dogs
0: oh you just didn't listen to Bob Parker growing up huh
1: I I first of all I never understood why he said that I was like why would you he want to stop dogs from
0: control the pet population he literally said at the end of every price is right
1: yeah I know but that's if you whatever doesn't matter
0: Dude, it's like China's policy on children. That was Bob Barker's about about dogs. Man, you gotta control the pet population.
1: That's a fair point. Except that if you don't let your dog just wander around humping things, then you don't need to neuter it. <laughs> like, how, how I don't know it?
0: your dog. Your dog escapes so much. Who knows how many children he may have? Right,
1: <laughs> Doug has become a wandering. Uh, he's a tramp, but. Um,
0: I think he prefers this the term is, "playboy," but
1: this is a recent development, and, mm-hmm. and until you were living in the house, was much of an issue.
0: Uh, oh, I'm glad you have successfully gotten your dog back to the happiness of your family and to your chagrin.
1: Everyone was very happy to have him back,
0: including and you. No,
1: I'm indifferent, <laughs> but no, nah, happy to have him back. step yeah. up. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But um, everyone's very happy to have him back. And he seems to be pretty happy to be back. And our family is complete.
0: Uh, the Doug Saga I learned. I, they, they'll make a movie about this in Hollywood in a few years from now. I mean, there's so much different things out there making content. Like, there's no reason why somebody won't make this into a movie
1: it would be the most uneventful movie and then he did nothing
0: <laughs> no they'd obviously glam it up for hollywood they make it way more successful like there would have been a big high-speed chase for you trying to get doug back or
1: how about this scene where i'm looking through the papers in our closet and i bang my head on the shelf and start bleeding for my head
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would add some levity to this um <laughs> to this drama what,
1: what type of special effects would they use in that <laughs>
0: Oh, you would definitely be played by like a, uh, a great character. I see like uh, Kevin James in this Seth role. Rogen. Nah, more Kevin James. Oh, thank you.
1: Oh, no, um, Kevin James has lost some weight.
0: Um, anyway, yeah. And, and that's why I think he should play you. No, it's also he does more physical comedy, I feel like, than Seth Rogen. Yeah, that's true. Um. So, um, well, we'll get started with sports. So first, happy belated 110th birthday was yesterday to Josh Gibson. Um, only it's a day late, only because I thought we were going to do the podcast last night. But alas, we're doing it tonight. Um, so a lot of people have probably never heard of Josh Gibson. He's a baseball Hall of Famer and considered potentially the greatest baseball player of all time. But the reason why nobody mentions his name with Babe Ruth is because he was an African-American catcher who played in the Negro Leagues and never made to the majors but uh, the legend is he hit over 800 home runs and that he was incredible they they now have a lot more of his stats on baseballreference.com because there's been a big um, push in recent years to um, make all the Negro League stats as if it was the Major League stats so now you actually have his stats online Um, and literally like he hit in Thirty-nine games, twenty home runs. Like Babe Ruth never accomplished a feat like that. His nineteen thirty-seven season, when he hit a home run almost every two games, that would have been um, seventy-seven, the equivalent to in the nineteen twenties when Ruth played. So, um, and he played again mostly in the thirties and early forties, um, just kind of known as literally the greatest. And literally, a lot of people even called. Um, Ruth, in the later years, after he saw Gibson, he was the white Josh Gibson. So, I mean, just an incredible player. I also played catcher, which is a much, much harder position to play than outfielder like Ruth. Um, and sadly, Gibson died actually only at 35 um, in January of 47. Um, so he never even really got to enjoy the fame that would have come later in life, being one of the celebrated Negro league players um, that a lot of them other ended up having accolades like Satchel page. He ended up living to see his induction into the hall of fame. um, But um, uh, unfortunately Gibson never did. He uh, apparently had a brain tumor and, and died of a stroke at age 35. So um, very kind of sad story because he might be the greatest baseball player of all time.
1: Question from me is, which league had better players,
0: so baseball was a much bigger league, but you had tons of black players, especially when you look at once they joined the major leagues that like thirteen of the best twenty players in baseball were african American like in the fifties um so it was it, it's hard to say who had better players, but there were obviously the talent was way more spread out in the major leagues. there was more teams than there was in the um in the um uh, in the Negro Leagues, but um, probably, apparently, talent-wise, they were pretty comparable is what it makes it seem like.
1: So it's not like you could say if they were playing fair, like team to team, if they were playing in the...
0: Yeah, they had some scrimmages between the two teams, like a little bit. So he was like Jeremy, which
1: is like an amazing baseball player. Correct. He just never played professionally in the Major League, the Correct. Major League Baseball.
0: Correct, because of the color barrier. I'll actually tell a great story with the color barrier. So when I was a kid, it must've been like five or six years old. Um, I didn't know about, again, I grew up in the nineties about, didn't, again, the racism wasn't nearly talked about nearly what it was is now. And definitely not what it was in the forties and fifties. So I remember once reading somewhere that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. I assumed it meant like he hit something so hard that he broke literally like the color barrier and the TV went to black and white from color. Um, that literally was something he actually physically broke. Um, when I remember first hearing about that, so I just thought that like was a cute sound? story. Um, let's go with that, sure. But more of a like physical box that like made the game appear in color. He broke it, and then it, and then it uh, was in black and white as a result. But uh, I was like awesome. literally like six or seven years old. It's, this isn't something I thought of last year.
1: I didn't think that. So <clears throat> very interesting. Well, happy birthday, Mister Gibson.
0: Yeah, and just and and it's funny. There's an X Files um, episode um, um, called The Unnatural, where literally like they call Josh Exley. It's like a takeoff on Josh Gibson, where the guy turns out to be so good because he's actually an alien. So it's a good episode of the X Files. Also, I also highly encourage people to just kind of look and read his a uh, little bit about his story because it's uh it's it's sad that he never had a chance to kind of play in the majors and and have that credit to his name about being one of the greatest players of all time yeah moving on so right now covid has kind of taken over the news um and and so omicron the new variant is apparently 70 times more contagious than delta which everybody said was more contagious that was only two more than the original there var- the original delta the original coronavirus so um it's, it's kind of nuts when you really think about it. Um, and what's happening is now sports is trying to play through this, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. The NHL just took a five-day break. They paused their schedule for five days to try to let the cases settle down. Um, with the families, the NFL is literally, has like half their star players on COVID, and the NBA is literally calling up like replacement players because so many players on some of these teams are, have COVID are out because of COVID protocols. So there's it was an interesting article in the New York Times about how all these replacement players are getting chance that they're making more in, on a 10 day contract than they would be in the entire season playing in the G League, which is the NBA's <laughs> development, development league. And like all these guys are now getting an opportunity. So um, the NBA could be calling you if you're that good of a basketball player. Obviously, they're not coming to scout local three on threes, but it, it's kind of insane how. you could be watching your favorite team and not know who half the guys on the team are because the ones, you know, are all out with COVID. So it's very interesting. It's too bad. They can like bring back, like make it like a 40 to 50 year old league for like a week. I think that'd be fun and like bring back some of the retired players to play. I think that would be really cool. Um, um, For like one week they do that just because of all the COVID stuff, but NBA doesn't have me in charge of marketing. So. That's really funny. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's both Adams, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, and it looks like Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. They're, they're continuing on because again, this thing is very contagious, but thank God people aren't appealing to be hospitalized. They're out like a week with this and then you move on. And I, I'm hoping that the American public kind of follows the sport league suit um, with this and being like, yes, this thing is here. Yes, it's contagious. But Thank God nobody tends to be really sick. I hope that stays that way. Um, and literally, they're even giving people fourth shots in Israel um, because some people who had the booster. They already passed six months. So it, it's kind of crazy. And um, I, I think the next two, three weeks are going to be fascinating in this country to see. Hopefully, our hospitals hold up. Um, and uh, this thing maybe could be the end of COVID because it is so, so transmissible that everybody may get it and hopefully create a level of either vet, through vaccination or getting COVID that this can be hopefully the end of it.
1: So what you're saying is I'm not going to get to play in the NBA.
0: If the NBA is calling you, Mr. Levenstein, I think like something's happened to almost all the men on the planet as well as like half the women. So I think um, <laughs> if the NBA is calling you for a multi-million dollar contract, we we all – uh, it's it's basically uh, the Walking Dead.
1: So, so what do these uh, what do these players make per game?
0: No, it's it's mostly on the contract. Like they'll make like fifty grand for the entire or thirty five grand for the entire G League season, but they'll make fifty grand on a ten day contract.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and this isn't going to end. Uh, COVID
0: or the yeah. I mean, it's, there are different theories on it. It's possible.
1: I think it'll just sort of be this thing that's just there, and we deal with it, and it comes and it goes. And...
0: Honestly, the biggest thing about this that kind of is, it's this quarantining. Like, if they stop with the quarantining, and then everybody gets it or they don't get it, people then can move on with their life. The quarantining makes it that people are also more afraid of getting it um, because, honestly, if you just tell everybody it's like the flu in terms of how... Obviously, it's definitely more spreadable than the flu, but when you tell it to the flu in terms of what your symptoms are and ultimately what's going to end up happening, it, it, then you then move on in life with it.
1: Yeah, and the the, the irony is that there actually isn't uh, you know uh, an acceptable comparison like people compared to the to the flu. Or I've heard people compared to the sniffles, <clears throat> but the thing is. I mean, right to there are corner cases and extreme cases, but the sniffles aren't likely to land an old person in the hospital. And this is. So there's like there is still a population that is at risk from this and that's why it's slightly different. But otherwise it's just you just need to accept it, move on, live with it, like you said, and just sort of accept certain limitations and if someone for whatever reason is tested for covid and they are positive then they should quarantine but for the rest of us like if you're just sick and you know just you just go around and just stay home until you're not sick and don't i think a part of it also is, is like at a societal level there's this thing of like oh i'm sick but i still have to go to work or i'm sick so i still but i'm still gonna send my kids to school and that's i think something that we need to change where we say like look we understand like people aren't going to push through and come to work necessarily if they're not feeling well but the the alternative is that they come in and they infect everyone because this is more contagious that's that's other thing why it's not like the cold it's way more contagious
0: yeah so that's kind of the story with kind of the sports leagues and uh It's been very interesting. So, again, I haven't had as much time to kind of watch because of um, um, having kids and uh, everything right now. But it just seems like you apparently there might be some like rookie starting, I think, for like the Saints on Monday Night Football that like it's like a big game for them. They're literally like on their third string quarterback because of COVID. So,
1: I love your idea of having like a 50 year old NBA player.
0: Like yep. 40 to 50-year-old, like, go play for your former team for a little bit yeah. for a week and be like, okay, Joe, are you gone? No, nope, go nope. back. Um, yeah, go play for your old team for a little bit. I mean, I don't know how great the basketball would be to watch, but um, these guys can still hit shots. The athleticism would probably be way down. But be um, a I, I feel game. like, again, but for, like, two games, it's not like you do it for not more than a week. Um, I I think people would like come and watch it, especially if their team sucks. Like who wouldn't want to go see Shaq out there again for the magic for a game or two or Iverson.
1: So, Oh my gosh. Alan Iverson. That'd be amazing. Even though he probably
0: played like crap. But again, if everybody's at the same level, they're all old. um, Then it probably doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Um, Anyway, moving on from me being the czar of sports, position, <laughs> opposition, uh, one they get to have. Um, on this day, 35 years ago, Voyager was the first aircraft to fly around the world without aerial ground refueling. So, first, very, very cool. I want to look up more about this, but I didn't have the time. Again, sorry, podcast listeners. You'll have to do more of this due diligence on your own. But to me, the craziest thing about this is You'd think as a result, they would have more aircraft be able to kind of have almost 35 years later have unlimited amount of how far they could fly. Again, you probably most aircraft, except for some of these long haul flights, you really don't need it. And honestly, being on a plane for more than about 10 or 11 hours is kind of brutal. Um, But you'd think that we would come further with technology with airplanes if thirty-five years ago there was originally an original aircraft that could fly around the world without refueling.
1: Well I think they're um some they're of definitely the less... more
0: fuel efficient now than they were back then.
1: Yeah. Um the, the well I mean so first of all this plane was very slow. Uh I think the no, the the top speed was 122 miles an hour. Oh really? yeah
0: god that takes a long time to fly around the world
1: yeah and it was like designed to like double as like basically a flying fuel tank um so so that's first of all but there but but on the flip side i say that and airplanes now like they're they're working the the airplanes that they have now like they're working on like optimizing the engines and making them be able to fly for longer and use less fuel and they're some of them like they're not going faster necessarily, so I feel like that's sort of a lesson that they may have learned from this. But it's still, pretty unbelievable to do that flight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of when I think about it, it's kind of like around the world in eighty days. Be, would be interesting, but I've yet to hear um, the Rutan model seventy-six Voyager. I've yet to hear like or are there a movie about it or anything like that. Um, it's it took nine days. Wow um but yeah. um it's it's still really really cool i think it's something really interesting so you finally figure out how long it would take so uh,
1: yeah i mean and look from from a human accomplishment perspective like there's definitely an endurance element to that to stay in the air in an airplane you know nine
0: days that's a nine
1: long. days
0: yeah i mean the only people who are ever in in any type of vehicle that longer people who are astronauts going out to the space station or doing moon landings. I mean, kind of insane nine days in yeah. kind of in the air.
1: Yeah. So this thing was designed to be extremely aerodynamic and use very little fuel and I guess be able to sustain them for nine days in the air. It's also crazy by the way, imagine like being in the air. I mean, think about that being in the air for nine days straight, Like even the, long-haul pilots that do these flights like from sydney to new york let's say like you
0: there's know, like, like four of them they switch off yeah yeah
1: this is nine days in the air that's just crazy like well, you're I mean, right like astronauts but it's still different going to space than just flying through through the air
0: i mean when lindbergh went around the world it took him like uh, i mean across the atlantic um it also took him a long time um yeah but not days no, it took him two days to go from New York City to Paris. Really? Um, yeah.
1: So he was flying in the... So I, I mean, they had autopilot back then, but it was basically like... No, they
0: a, didn't have autopilot. It any. was.
1: It was a rubber band that you would, like, tire under.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty-three and a half and a half hours alone. Spirit of St. Louis.
1: I wonder how many people tried to do that before him.
0: It's a great question. they try not to uh try not to talk about it so much I guess and the people don't want people don't remember the failures they only remember the successes in terms of long term and what gets written in the history books
1: right no of course because who cares about the people that failed
0: although I don't um, know how many people were actually trying that before. It's a great question, but I mean again, this was in the twenties only twenty four years earlier um had they ever um had they ever um, had there the first go. airplane. So,
1: An additional 78 people successfully flew across the Atlantic before Lindbergh's attempt.
0: Before his attempt?
1: A total of 81 people successfully flew across the Atlantic before Lindbergh.
0: So why is he famous? Was he the first one to do it solo?
1: Uh, oh, that's probably what it is.
0: Uh, sorry, now now I'm falling behind. Uh, uh, anyway this doesn't make for great podcast radio so no it uh, doesn't Let's you're going going on.
1: but we can do it ap- we can we can do a deep dive <laughs> into lindbergh on different episodes
0: how do you sound awful thank you no problem um also happy 216th birthday to joseph smith kind of founder of the mormon church um and my favorite thing is, I had no idea about this because I've never done a deep dive into Mormonism, but he was killed by his own former supporters because they started questioning him. Eventually, got somebody tried to shut down the printing press. And like, it's a crazy thing. Like, I highly, highly encourage anybody to Wikipedia Joseph Smith because you don't hear a lot about founders of their, their religion getting murdered from their past congregants. Yeah. It's kind well. of insane. Um, so um it's something that you don't hear talked about a lot like oh Moses was or Abraham was killed by uh, by his own uh, grandchildren you don't hear that or you don't hear that Muhammad was was killed uh, by his supporters so
1: I mean I'm sure that, well in in religion that's fair but um he there's a whole group of Mormons that are in Mexico and it was also from like some persecution and division within them so as any good religion they seem to disagree on many things
0: yeah but the fact that it led to that much violence is insane and it's not like this was like like 500 years ago this this is like in modern times this was like in the 1840s it's Um, funny i'd say it's ironic and it's also it's it's fascinating when you read about mormonism um because it's such a recent religion the fact that it has so many supporters and is considered like a major religion despite being so recent is kind of incredible also when you think about it like i feel like it really grew really quickly um and considering like a lot of their beliefs i think a lot of beliefs of a lot of religions are hard to um believe necessarily but the fact that this is so recent, I don't know, it just kind of puts an even crazier spin on it in some ways.
1: Well, they also were able to grab a piece of utopia and make it their own, right? Like, they have Utah. So they haven't probably they haven't had to deal with genocide. They haven't had to deal with, like, major war. Um, they've had polygamy, and so they've basically been able to... No, they haven't
0: had really polygamy. I mean, that originally wasn't started. I mean, they don't allow polygamy in the church. That's an offset like an offshoot so
1: oh really yeah it was outlawed
0: by like it was outlawed by like the 1890s i think in their religion
1: ah but until the 1890s they did have it
0: no but i not everybody it's if you read it joseph smith wasn't one of the believers of polygamy he only had one
1: wife either way have a nice chunk of land where they can grow and they're homogenous and they're you know the religion like people follow their religion and it's 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 a good thing. I'm not I'm not they yeah. they were they were lucky in where they were no. placed because you look in Mexico yeah, where they they're had not to as do... friendly Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, if they were in Mexico if you look at the Mormons in Mexico where they're not exactly the most friendly neighborhood, there aren't a, a lot of them.
0: I was gonna say, or if they tried to still religion in Afghanistan in the eighteen fifties or in the Middle East, like necessarily work as well.
1: Yeah, that probably went on have come quite as well.
0: Um, moving on. Uh, politics right now. Let's get ready to COVID test. Um, Biden just signed off an approval to try to get 500 million more tests out, um, which is kind of insane because, like, you're only doing this now. Like, this isn't a thing that, like, people ever stop doing. The fact that it's all just very, again, like I always talk about proactivity versus reactivity. It seems like everything this administration is doing is being reactive rather than proactive and that's constantly making us fall further and further behind the eight ball with this thing.
1: So Oh, interesting. So what is re- so what what in this action do you view as reactive?
0: The fact that he didn't have this test that all these tests being constantly done from months ago. Or, well, then- or at least a couple of weeks ago before Omicron really hit us. And they knew it was going to be this crazy um, um, thing. It went from point, I mean, it, it moved pretty fast, but they knew this thing was coming. Um, and it just feels like the administration was at best weeks and at worst kind of months because you could have said under Delta, they should have been doing this much testing also um, slow on this.
1: I hear that. I hate COVID tests so much.
0: Yeah, the worst is when they have to go too far up your nose. That's just not cool. Especially when, like, the tests that don't go as far up are, like, 99.4% accurate versus, like, the ones that go all the way up. is like, 997 For 0.3%, please don't try to touch my brain with a Q-tip. Mm. It's
1: even, yeah, it's just so unpleasant. And also, this suspense of waiting for results is just so ridiculously unbearable, like,
0: understand
1: why <laughs> it's funny had- i
0: actually it doesn't phase me because like if you're positive then like i mean in terms of practicality with how transmissible this thing is if you're really not doing much differently if you're around your family now if you've got to be around other people i hear that but like like for me for example if i ended up testing it's my same five family members I'm around. I'm not around anybody else inside right now anyway. So because my kids aren't in school, because they're on break to me, like I'm positive, I'm negative. Does it really make that much of a difference right now?
1: The answer is no. I still wish that we could get that answer quicker.
0: Well, there is, they have these tests that are like, then you can find out these at home tests that Walgreens sells them. Then you can, these rapid tests, but they're just not that accurate. So, which and again was the point exactly? And if the test isn't accurate, what good does it eventually do you? So, yeah, um, the other thing happening in politics right now is again, since we've done our podcast, is Senator Joe Manchin saying he will not sign the uh build back better bill BBB because he just doesn't believe in the bill and there's too much there. And Republicans are kind of rejoicing, and Democrats are throwing him under the bus because this bill was supposed to accomplish a lot of things. And it's very interesting. when kind of one of the two key pieces of the Biden agenda was this piece of legislation um, that's not that's looking like it will not get um, um will not get passed. It's kind of nuts.
1: So it's very interesting because. People sort of initially mansion was against this, and then sort of changed his tone, and then last minute he did this. Um,
0: Am I, I getting the wrong one? Am I? It's it is build back better, right? That's the one he didn't do.
1: It was whatever the two point three trillion, whatever it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's build um, back better, yeah,
1: and. It, it's sort of Well, you I don't know exactly how the system works, but is it not political suicide?
0: No, because he's in West Virginia as a Democrat and it's a very red state. So honestly, like my guess is his state was very much against it and the popular vote in West Virginia was against it. Like being a Democrat in a state like West Virginia, you're basically almost like a Republican. Like literally cnn has a headline mcconnell's urging mansion to join the republican party and um and democrats are trying to scale it back in order to get some version of the bill passed so i mean it's very interesting how somebody from such a red state who's a democrat um he basically acts because right now it's a 50 50 tie in the senate so the fact that they can't get it means they can't pass any of this So, but literally, he's now made enemies of everybody on the far left. So, um, why is he a Democrat? um, Because he's a moderate Democrat. Like when he started, he's seventy-four years old. He's been the senator there for since twenty ten. In twenty ten, the Democratic Party was a much different place than where it is in twenty twenty-one. So, just like you have the Republican, like both parties have shifted so much in the last ten years um, towards further to the left or further to the right that people like Manchin who are these moderates um him a democrat um have kind of like a liz cheney on the right um have kind of just don't have a place to go anymore
1: that's sad so he's probably like i don't care at this point
0: he's 74 years old he's he's and he thinks he's doing what's best for the people of west virginia i mean the, the, I mean, you watch some of the liberal media attack the man, you'd think that he like, he basically uh, killed all their family members. I mean, he's literally against the bill. Like, everybody has a right. Like, it, it, up until recently, it used to be all the time that people from your party may not support a bill or two. Like, the fact that everybody falls in line um, now with their parties is so different from um, how it used to be.
1: But that's also probably a function of the fact that the house is so perfectly split. So the Senate split
0: the Senate. Um, but no, it's actually not so. Much. I mean, that's part of it. But it's just also the polarization of the parties that there's less and less common ground, and people are less and less in the middle. So there's less things that people within a party disagree on. It's really, um, it's really kind of taking away some of the um, heterogene, the heterogeneous. Um, and made it a lot more homogeneous. The um, parties,
1: yeah. And um, it's interesting I'm just what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is like is it chicken and egg type of thing, right? Like did the polarization lead to this sort of absolute, you know, commitment to the party, or did the absolute commitment to the party lead to the polarization?
0: No, I think the polarization led to the commitment of the party.
1: Because, like, I mean, again, like, I don't really know much, but when I remember, is like, you know, in the West Wing or you know, different uh, political shows, they had to like, even in um, House of Cards, like, they had to rein in party members because not everyone went along with it, and they Correct. didn't always it's go a, along. Correct, it's with it. they
0: still, they still have to do that. The Democrats especially now, but it's way less it's way less um difficult than it used to be because everybody is so politically entrenched on one side or the other
1: right so it's like oh this is they're so far to the other side of me correct question that i'm going to stick to my party correct so then that and but that on this vote well yeah that that follows the general polarization mentality leading to the absolute faith in the party
0: yep um, and speaking of kind of losing your way within a party, happy 69th birthday to Bill Kristol. Um, he was the founder of the Weekly Standard, which was kind of the conservative think tank magazine um, in the 90s, and now the bulwark. And he considers himself now a former Republican because he believes the party left him. Um, and literally was a member from like of the Republican Party from like 1980 to like 2016, and like was one of the leading conservative classic conservative voices and now literally just doesn't necessarily view himself as a Democrat, but doesn't see himself as a Republican either. So I think it's very interesting how kind of the standard bearer for classic conservative eighties and nineties values. I mean, he was literally the chief of staff under Dan Quayle, who was the vice president under George H.W. Bush from 89 to 93. Um, The fact that he kind of, um, doesn't consider himself a Republican anymore, just shows you how far the party's gone away from that um, ideology.
1: Whenever we have these types of conversations and discussions, it always brings me back to the notion that, like, there's a need for another party. And to expect, like, somehow these two parties to bridge everything, it's
0: just not I realistic. Think, listen, if it keeps up with this space, I think it's going to have to happen eventually, um, that a third party's created. And... I do think a lot more people are in the center than both parties realize. Um, there are so many people that are, I mean, each party is strongly incentivized not to allow a third party to happen. It's probably the only thing Republicans and Democrats both don't want to see is a third party. Okay. Um,
1: then we need more centrally aligned congresspeople and senators.
0: The problem is also you don't have a media outlet that really fits that role either all the media outlets have also gone the way. So without a media outlet to kind of have an agenda for those for people to watch, they're forced to decide between kind of CNN MSNBC on the left and the Fox News on the right. There's not really a place that you can go get kind of stuff that's just trying to report the news. So or with or with less of an agenda because everybody has an agenda, but at least less of one.
1: So there is the... really there was an app that i really liked that tried to do that they basically would pull together you know 4 to 6 articles on the same topic from 4 to 6 different sources yeah but and try to, having like, do the two on line. the
0: right and two on the left doesn't necessarily make it the middle you're just That's... hearing the left and the right viewpoints
1: so no they and then they would write their own article they would try to go down the middle just using the facts and whatever but quoting the sources of it
0: and it what happened ha- f- to that? It failed. Yeah. And what does that say about what happens to a third party? Yeah. Because you'd think that there's a huge, huge need for something like that. And the fact that that failed is not a good sign for our democracy. Or hopefully it was just poor execution. Because if it was executed well and it failed, that's, that's an even scarier thing.
1: Yeah, I think that also a flaw their pricing model.
0: Well, they probably should have made it with ads at first and not had a real pricing model.
1: Uh, I don't think also they, I know, they were trying to raise money from their readers.
0: Yeah. That's not easy. Nope. And finally, for our last topic for the evening, today is Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, December 23rd, um, a holiday popularized by the TV show Seinfeld. Basically, with where the world has gone, it's supposed to be a holiday for everybody that doesn't celebrate the rest of the holidays. So I think it was con- started by Frank Costanza, George's father on the show, yep. um, and uh, I highly recommend watching that episode that deals with Festivus. I think, I don't remember everything, but they remember there's an airing of grievances, which I feel like happens at a lot of people at their respective homes anyway, <laughs> um, especially with our environment. Um, I just love the fact that, like, Saturday Night Live sometimes makes fun of it. Like, coming home and talking to Grandpa about politics, that is just not going to go well. Um, it's, it's, um, it's just very interesting um, how even Seinfeld um, picked up on an airing of grievances kind of before all this uh, um, probably was as crazy in people's homes as it is now, so politically. But regardless, um, highly recommend it. And uh, that's kind of the topic on Festivus and our show. Any other comments on Festivus or anything else, Joe?
1: Um, if I remember correctly, I love Kramer becomes a very fervent follower of Festivus. And um, I think you've, you've, I think this has inspired me to watch an episode of this on Netflix.
0: Yeah, I think the festivist this episode is uh, definitely worthwhile. Um, it's, to me, just one last thing. This is our prior second to last podcast of the year. The fact that 2021 is kind of over already is insane because at the same time that it feels really long, it also feels at the same time like time hasn't moved because we're basically exactly where we were, it feels like, at the end of 2020. Um, um, although we had the vaccines now, which is a huge change in the right direction. Um, they just were getting um, put out into the market a year ago. Um, I think like the first vaccine was given like about a little over a year ago now. And it's kind of amazing how much it's out there, but there's still a lot more to go. But just kind of how 2021 felt like it was just a repeat a little bit of 20, um, but just at the same time, like um, crazy how the year's already done.
1: I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it is. Um, it's been a wacky year. Good year, I think. A lot of good things, not perfect. Um, maybe that's what we'll do on our next episode, to a 2021
0: recap. I think that is an excellent idea. Um, any listeners want to listen in um, and send us an email or text with some topics they would love to hear to talk about 2021, uh, we will open that up. Um, If you've made it this far, remember to subscribe. And I actually heard from one of our listeners, Chaim Elbi, today that he enjoys listening to our podcast. Chaim, thanks for listening. So we also, I think every podcast will have a different and a listener shout out, I think would be a nice thing to do, too, to, to really thank our listeners for listening to us just ramble on about whatever nonsense might be in our head. Thank you, Chaim. Anyway, that wraps us up for this evening, Mister Levenstein, I bid you a happy and healthy Arab of Christmas, and uh, and we're looking forward to our yearly wrap up next podcast.
1: To our listeners who are going to be celebrating, we wish you a merry Christmas
0: and a happy new year. Are Have we a good one.
1: Chinese food.
0: What what? Speak to you later. Bye.